Welcome to Flinflon, a small mining town located eight hours northwest of Winnipeg. Now the town is kind of fun because it's located on the border of Saskatchewan. So half of the town has Saskatchewan license plates while the other have Manitoban, which is kind of cool. The North is a big part of who I am and this next story inspired me to create this podcast. So I'm quite excited to share it with you. I grew up in Gillum, which is about a thousand kilometers north of Winnipeg. Living in the North is quite different and I'd say you have to be more creative with your time. We would go to the dump to watch bears, catch frogs in the creeks, play hockey, and spend a lot of time outside. Food is expensive, resources limited, and gas stations are an infrequent social gathering. I loved every minute of it. I'm Megan Kirtson, and you're listening to Manitoba Landmarks. This is Megan. She, she went to school with my daughter. Janelle. Hi. Hi. She's doing a school project, and she's doing a podcast on Blinky. That's Dale. He's my tour guide today. I played soccer with his daughter Janelle in university. Every year their family invites both soccer teams up to Flin Flon for spring break. They're the most hospitable and wonderful family. They have this amazing ability to make you feel like you're part of their family, even when you've just met them. They raise pigs, turkeys, and chickens just outside of town, and add solar panels before they are considered cool. I remember the first time I went to Flin Flon as an adult. I was blown away. The road from the pod to Cranberry Portage is a fairly straight drive. Then. It starts to wind and curve around various lakes and rock ridges. It's like you've left Manitoba and are now in some coastal New Brunswick town or even Norway. On the rock formations are hundreds of graffiti marks. Later that evening, we went to the Paw for the Opaskwiak Cree Nation talent show, and Janelle's mom, Teresa, explained that the graffiti mostly expressed people's love. As we drive, I notice what she's talking about. Large hearts painted in stone, proclamations of love and hopeful futures. If you ever drive Highway 10 past Baker's Narrows, I hope you take the time to appreciate the graffiti and look at them in a different light. As you get closer to Flin Flon, the trees give way and expose the barren rock landscape that makes up most of the town. People looked at all the rock around here and everything's barren. Right. So everybody everybody assumes that. Even when I go on the tour, people say, well, it's because the smelter ran and killed all the trees and everything. Okay. Which is not the truth. The truth is, when these guys came in the it 20s and 30s, bare. no, it was it was good, just like around Denair Beach. Interesting. But Everybody burned wood here, so they stripped everything. Okay. Like the plant, the first boiler they had, it burned 5,000 cords of wood a year. So they just cut it locally because they didn't have... That's true. They had horses. They had horses, so they didn't go very far to get wood. So that's what stripped all the vegetation. And then not very good black soil was left, that muskeg. And as soon as the rain came, it just washed it away. So the guys say... No, I, we always were told the smelter killed that. No, the smelter didn't kill all the trees. The, the, the people that came here killed all the trees. Take all the trees. Go in the bush now. You'll see that there's not yeah. a whole lot of soil on the rocks. They just right. this much. They grow right in the rocks. Yeah. The trees. Yeah, because it's so, quite noticeable coming in. I've never come in along that the highway. Way. I was like, what? The, the tree growing in on a crack. Here. Yeah. It's wild. This is Ken Polichek. He runs a historical tour on Saturdays. He's sitting outside the Orange Toad, a cute coffee shop and used bookstore on Main Street. It's a beautiful day, mid-August, slight breeze and sunny. Dale and I start walking down Main Street. It's Friday and it's packed. People are everywhere, shopping, talking to each other, enjoying the last few days of summer. Dale says we're looking for characters. This is a story about stories. Flynn was once home to Canada's largest legal grow up. 
I found a Winnipeg Free Press article from 2012. The article is by Jonathan Naylor, and it talks about Canada's first legal marijuana grow-up, located in the abandoned Trout Lake mine. There's something about the idea of an underground medical weed plant that just sparks my curiosity. It makes me wonder why we don't have a Netflix show about it yet. Dr. Frank Gunson was born in Flintstone, and he invented the first total artificial knee replacement. And at one point, the town was talking about leaving Manitoba to form a new province called Pre-Cambria. Doug Evans from the Flintpond Heritage Project was involved in this. He said that the movement was more of a conversation. They were mad at the appeared indifference from the provincial government towards northern development, an issue still relevant today. Now if you drive around Flintpond, you'll notice two things. There are oddly small houses and strange boxes that run along the road. The story I heard in town was that when Flinflon was a prospecting town, there was a lot of prostitution. The small houses and oddly shaped buildings have weird multiple rooms inside and are from that era. They were old brothels. The boxes cover sewage pipes. Since Flinflon is built on rocks, they had to run their sewage on top of the ground. They then built these boxes over them. They kind of act like makeshift sidewalks, dual purpose. Now, like I've mentioned, Flinflon is a mining town. And I think 1915, right. by a Métis guy named David Collins. David Collins? I think so. His, his, and since then, HBMS has never recognized this guy as the founder of the ore body. Really? What he did is he found some shiny rocks. Yeah. Until last year. Okay, last year they did. Until okay. last year. They, but they found some shiny, this guy found some shiny rocks and he was a, he was a prospector. Yeah fur trader everything and he went to this guy named Tom Creighton that was a prospector and he right. says come here I'm going to show you these shiny rocks that yeah. I found so he went and showed him these shiny rocks and that was just over the hill here in the open pit by the by the company and uh, these shiny rocks turned into almost 65 million tons of oil in the you know that part yeah. of our body is still kind of being mined over here. Okay. But The story goes that David Collins discovered the ore and approached the prospect Thomas Creighton. Now, it wasn't until recently that David Collins actually got credit for this. Teresa took me to the new memorial for David Collins, which was created in 2015 and recognizes his contribution to the history of Flintwan. I looked online, and I can't confirm this next story, but it's way too good not to share. It's all blown to pieces, so so they just counted it off as the oil furnace inside exploded. But the truth of the matter came out after to the fire chief. He 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 did he already made his report. But what it was, this guy had a dog, and he wanted to get rid of his dog. <laughs> he didn't have a gun, but he worked underground, and he had access to dynamite. Come on. Underground. So he, he brought up one or two sticks of dynamite from underground <laughs> and a long fuse and, and thought, well, I'm going to get rid of this dog. So he took it out out of town somewhere and back in the rock somewhere and he tied this dynamite around the dog's neck and lit the fuse and went back home and left oh the dog God. out in the bush. By the time he got home, the dog's sitting at his doorstep. Oh my fuse God. hadn't burned off yet. <laughs> They opened the door, the dog went in the house, and the house, the house oh, disappeared. Oh, no way. So, <laughs> it's Come a on, that can't be real. That's too good not to be it's, real. It's, it's a disputed story, but, <laughs> but the guys that, you know, the house was gone. It was completely mm. blown up, and oil burners don't do that. They don't, you know. Well, 
So now that we have a good understanding on the stories that make up Flin Flon, let's talk about Flinty. Flin Flon was a nickname of a science fictional character in the book The Sunless City by J.E. Preston Murdoch. His full name, Josiah Flintabaddy Flonatin. Jay used to make kids memorize yeah. that. I, you had to know how to say Flintabaddy Flonatin. Oh, right. Okay, what's the proper way? Flintabaddy. Flintabaddy. Flonatin. Flonatin. Yes. There's a T, a hidden T. Yeah, he is That's retired teacher Jerry Clark. I caught up with him outside of co-op. He's sitting in the shade behind a hot dog stand. His family's selling food as a fundraiser for his grandson who won gold in the Canada Games for wrestling. In his time, Murdoch was a pretty popular British author and journalist. The story goes that Thomas Creighton was camping when he found a book in the middle of the bush. He saw similarities between the area we now call Flin Flon and the book. So when it came time to name the town, Flintflon was chosen. It's a story of a professor, Josiah Flintabaddy Flonadin, who invented a submarine, built a submarine, to, to go down into this bottomless Lake Avernus just to see what was there. Okay. And he was describing minerals on the way down, so that's why the prospectors clammed onto the story because they said when they found the lake here with the minerals showing on the, in the clear water, yeah. they might have right away connected it with Flinty's glory hole, they called it. Okay. Anyways, he goes down in this lake with a submarine and then he gets caught up in an underground stream and it gets flushed into the center of the earth, which it turns out is hollow. Okay. And there's a civilization walking around on the inside of the shell of the earth. Cultures exactly the opposite of ours, like the women run everything. <laughs> All right. So anyway, he has a love affair with a princess, and uh, eventually they flee a political intrigue down there, and okay. he, he comes back up on top. And that's the story of Sunless City. Sunless City, I guess, is the city inside the earth, so they couldn't see the sun, I guess. Oh, okay. Sunless City, okay. Dale buys lunch as I lean against the concrete wall next to Jerry. Did you like it? Nope. Nobody's liked it. I've asked so many people. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. Why? I made all my grade 11 kids, your dad included probably, read the, the digest version of it. Do you think it's funny that nobody actually likes the book? Well, the books... Well, the neat thing about the book is that these people whose culture is the opposite of ours right. speak a language which is English spelled backwards. Huh. And so he writes a book where there's a dialogue between these people with him, and he's, they're speaking English, but the words are spelled backwards. It takes everybody about three seconds to get onto it, and then you just <laughs> read it as quickly, you, you inst instantly become dyslectic. You, <laughs> just instantly you, dyslectic? Yeah, and, and you, you do, you read it, read it just as quickly as you read anything. Okay. That's about the only neat thing about the book for me. So everybody I talk to hates this book. Apparently it's boring and hard to read. I found a copy online, and please forgive my pronunciation. Josiah Flintabaddy Flonatin, or as he was more familiarly known to his fellows, Flintflon, was a gentleman conspicuous of two things, the smallness of his stature and the largeness of his perception. His origin was lost in the midst of antiquity, but he boasted that he was a descendant of the noble Italian family of the Flonitans. The town hired a cartoonist, Al Cap, to draw Flinty based on the description from the book. 
In appearance, Flinfuan was as singular as his name. When nature constructed him, she must have suddenly run short of materials, because she commenced a head that would have done credit to a giant in stature, as well as intellect. But getting as far as the neck, the old dame found apparently she had made a mistake, so finished him off hurriedly. From the neck downwards, he was strangely disproportionate and very scanty. He had pendulum-like arms, a body that might have been taken for a section of a 14-inch gas pipe, and legs that may not inaptly be described as scorch screws. He was bald, almost perfectly bald, but then all intellectual men are bald. Another infallible sign that Flynn was possessed with extraordinary brain power was that he always wore spectacles. He was never known to be without them, although his eyes did not indicate that he was troubled with either long sight or short sight. On the contrary, judging from their keenness and brilliancy, it might be said, to use a very common metaphor, that they were quite capable of seeing through a millstone, but then clever men always do wear spectacles. His nose was large, exceedingly large, and it was rather conspicuously red. His face was somewhat long and thoughtful. Near the right-hand corner of the mouth was a mole, from which sprang a few silver hairs, and under the left eye was a tiny pimple. In age, Flinfon was near 40 when he undertook this astounding journey which has immortalized him. He had many virtues and a few vices, and one of the later was an inordinate love of snuff. Whatever pride of birth Flynn had, he certainly had no pride of a personal appearance. But is not this another sure and certain sign of genius? Slovenness and cleverness go together. Tightly fitting smalls and an old faded green coat closely buttoned to the chin were Flynn's invariable costume. And when out, he wore a broad-brimmed hat, which set off his genial and intelligent face to advantage. Thanks for listening to Manitoba Landmarks. I'd love to hear from you. Do you have an interesting story about one of the places featured here? Or have one that should be on our list? Then send us a message on social media or email manitobalandmarks at gmail.com. Music for the show is by Manny Gosen. There are links to his Spotify page on the show website. Until next time, keep exploring.